You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hey, over there, everybody. And Justin Davis. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, Justin has a great new camera setup. It's looking really clear for everyone that's watching the video version mm-hmm. of the show. We're going to uh, revisit our homework question from last week about movie sequels and game sequels and how. Darn it! I forgot to do my homework. <laughs> one. All you had to do was think about it. <laughs> I, That's I, what my teachers always said. Missed opportunity to say your cat ate your homework. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's re- let's start over. That's what happened. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. My Look name is Damon homework. Hatfield. Uh, we also have a couple email questions from uh, a couple of our younger listeners. We've got questions from an eight-year-old and a five-year-old that we're going to uh, address. But first. Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 8 is out. Oh, yeah. uh, several of us have been looking forward to it. I'm playing it. I assume Sam is playing it. Is, yeah. Is Tina playing it? Hell yeah. I know Justin doesn't like the spookies. Oh, no, but I can tell you so much about Pokemon Snap. Okay. Really? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can also cover off on Pokemon Snap. But first, Resident Evil Village. I like it. I'm, I'm still in the castle. I have dealt with... Two of the vampire daughters. So oh, that's yeah. about where that's about where I am mm-hmm. right now. Uh, Sam, how about you? I am uh, between you and Tina then, because I am past that and I'm about to leave the castle. Ooh, Tina is the um, uh, furthest. Yeah, apparently, uh, I have a very important tip that I've already given okay. Sam that I need to okay. give you, Damon, um, okay. before you leave the castle. Mm-hmm. Make sure before you leave, when you're done, go everywhere and make sure all mm. your rooms are blue and get the treasure because when you leave, you will not be able to come back. Oh, and I no. did not know oh, that. Yeah. 
and I left some treasure behind, uh, thinking that I would be able to, in my leisure, wander yeah. around and find that stuff. But no, so be careful. Yeah, <laughs> games need to just games need to just accept the fourth wall break and be like, yeah. look, you, once you leave here, you're not going to be coming back ever for a long yeah. time. It's yeah, like, yep. yeah, yeah. It's fine. It, and they See, usually do that for big boss battles. Like this is the point mm-hmm. of no return, but yeah. why not in individual chapters? Sam, this know- is relevant to your interests. I, I've actually looked and I haven't found a, a, a good guide for turning the rooms blue yeah. and making sure you find all you, those items. It's so funny. That is the, the, the thing I pitched at our guides meeting. I was like, just tell people how to turn the rooms blue. Yeah, how to that's turn how the rooms blue. Up. Yeah, and it, that's so true. So we're, 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 we're actually doing that. I think it's going to be up today. But um, it, it's really funny because there are things that you need to do to do that which you know you can't figure out when you're in there like first you figure out like break all the bases you know open all Mm -hmm. the drawers that's the easy stuff but these darn crystals you can shoot off the wall as an example and uh there's other stuff too and there's there's a big treasure in the dungeon of the castle that's totally optional that you can Mm -hmm. go down and get but you have to fight a lot of enemies to get there and so forth yeah, I fought a lot of enemies to get there, but I didn't have the right key at the time. And then I mm-hmm. figured when I did get the right key, I was like, oh, I should go back and get that treasure. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it was after I wrapped up all this other story stuff in the no. castle, and then it was done. I was locked out. So I, I went through mm-hmm. all the enemies for no reason whatsoever, mm-hmm. other Hopefully, than my personal enjoyment. And, and you, maybe you <laughs> got some ammo drops to counter the ammo you spent. Yeah, it never it's evens true. out. Yeah. So, well, to, to answer your question, Damon, because I never actually did, I finished the castle and then mm-hmm. there's another section. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler to say because it was in the trailer as well, but some of the other, and you're introduced to them at the start of the game too, um, because you'll see a lot of the different enemies as a bit of a glimpse into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went to another, let's call it mini boss, because there's like lords on the map and you have to individually right. um, target each mm-hmm. of them. So I've gone to the uh, affectionately known as Dollhouse, which yeah. was... So cool. I have to say, vampires, scary, they're hunting you, the pressure, blah, 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 tension, all great, all scary, definitely had me creeped out. It does not compare to the dolls <laughs> and the other things that I will not spoil that happened there. The one relief, I will say, is that it was a very short chapter, thankfully. Hmm. Oh, no, if you were to, like, stack rank spookies from, like, most spooky to least spooky... Like mm-hmm. creepy dolls, oh, yeah, way one of up the there. most, way yeah, up there, way higher than vampires, way so higher than vampires. Our uh, our guides team and a few other members of our staff are like kind of like into speedrunning this game right now and are yeah, kind of figuring yeah. that out. And uh, the reason is like there's a reason to play the game over and over again, and the game seems to be kind of set up that way. And you know the the negative spin on that is that it sounds kind of short, like you can rip through it, unlike Resident mm-hmm. Evil Four, which goes on and on and on mm-hmm. and on which i really liked at the time but it remains to be seen whether the, like that pacing is something that like is actually enjoyable and pleasant to beat a game and maybe entices me to play again i definitely played remake two more than once i played it three times mm-hmm. wow. yeah i think i think our own mark medina said he beat it he's beaten village in two hours now Wow! But, but it's not it's not a two-hour game that's like his like sixth right. time through it you know yeah like, he, he's yeah. like a seven run. to it's like a yeah. seven to ten hour game, let's say. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would which, say. Yeah. Which is probably a little bit shorter than um, seven, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because mm-hmm. I played yeah. seven to ten hours of seven and never beat it because I never got out of the uh, the main area. But I do like that, you know, um, 
that there is the re- I like how Resident Evils do the Resident Evil experience. They're like, here's a mansion with puzzles, and then they expand on yeah. that. And they're like, do something different each time after that. And this game, just based on what Tina just said, like sounds like it goes in a different direction after that, which I'm excited for. Yeah. Yeah, and the next chapter, the next the the doll stuff, um, they take a different approach to to the gameplay in a way. I, I'm trying not to spoil too much, but basically, mm-hmm. it's a very different vibe in a lot of different ways. So the the way that you survive in the the dollhouse, it's not the dollhouse. I'm just using that as shorthand. The way that you survive mm-hmm. in the dollhouse is very different than the kind of strategy and pacing. Um, in the vampire house because mm-hmm. you have to be on the lookout for a different kind of predator, let's say. it's Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is not my style of game, so I'm not playing it, but I definitely respect and um, totally agree with their vision for, like, each different area is, like, a different flavor of, like, horror or, like, you know, body horror or, like, ghosts or even gameplay, like, more puzzly or more mm-hmm. shooty or more action-y. Like, it's really clever. It's really smart. They even go sci-fi in Resident Evil, which is kind of neat. It's usually by like the end of the game, you're in some like tech well, lab yeah, or something. I, yeah. I love that yeah. part of it. I love that progression. Yeah. Um, does the game look next gen to you guys? Well, it's you know it's not technically a next gen game, right? But yeah, it does look very nice. I think. No comment mm-hmm. for me because I play on a projector, so anything I say is yeah. going to be <laughs> down resed by quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't decided yet. Like, there's there's parts of it where I'm like, man, this chair looks amazing. Like there's there's textures and like just can, lighting and stuff like that, which look really cool. I will say you can tell which characters they really spent their time on with um, their animation. Uh, yeah. Like all all the all the vampire daughters, like their animation is like amazing. But then some random villagers in town, they don't look so great. Oh yeah, the yeah, fodder enemies. Who cares about yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like uh, that's very much that's like cyberpunk syndrome too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a sillier Resident Evil, right? It's a little bit sillier. Man, it's hard so? to tell. Resident Evil's <laughs> been silly this whole time. And people take it seriously when they're young. And then, yeah. like, you know, it becomes this big lore thing. But, like, you go back, you know, like, these games don't take themselves seriously. Yeah, I mean, I like, know, the it's, well, it's sort of like the writing, the acting, like, all those things are a little notorious. Like, there'll be moments where I, yes. you know, like, there's different there's different levels of ha ha ha's right like there's that yeah. um, that that meme from ages ago where like each of the ha additional ha's mean different things and so i'll do the singular uh, ha the like ha out of nowhere because something like caught me off guard like i'm in this really tense in- environment and i'm terrified and then ethan says something ridiculous and it just it it cuts the tension yeah. a little bit in a nice comedic relief way yep. yeah i guess you I'm know, there's about- like those one-liners those action movie one-liners uh just that, that exa- exact thing you're talking about that tension it's like in this game, like the premise is really dark. It, things get darker. Things go really wrong for the protagonist. And then like, yeah. you know, he'll like clean out the kitchen of, of vampires. and be like, I should have ordered out. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Like, Stuff like that. <laughs> but it's also like, he's not, he's just a dude. Like he's yeah, not some super soldier. Yeah. That we know of. I mean, like everybody well, knows yeah. him so far. It's just like, everybody's <laughs> like, Oh, like, you know, wasn't it Ethan yeah. something Carter? Ethan, Winters. Winters? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, they're always like being like, Ethan, I've heard so much about you. And it's just like, okay, a vampire in Romania, wherever they well, are. There's, there's spoilery stuff from the end of Seven, right? Which I, I don't play and, these yeah. games, so it's like I read the story spoilers. And, yeah. This and is I, one I need to read, actually. Probably. And I think a little bit of, a little bit of like eight context, too, where he matters to them for reasons. Mm-hmm. Reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
apparently this is explained, but um, the amount and, and this a lot of people have talked about this, but the amount of damage that happens to Ethan's hands is <laughs> is is insane, Ugh. and he's a, he, he's able to still like hold a gun and shoot. Apparently that's explained eventually, but <clears throat> yeah, th- there's something towards the end that I'm obviously yeah. not at to understand yeah. that stuff, but. I guess what it comes down to is you see his hands most prominently as the player. Yeah. So that your connection to Ethan is through his hands. And yeah. if you're playing a horror game with a bunch of gore, that's the best visual that you can get unless they, in a cutscene like zoom out to the third person perspective, but that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So you need that, you need that impact, that visual impact. Mm-hmm. That's sure. Boy, is it impactful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you can't do the body horror on other parts of their body that aren't like visible all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that makes yeah, sense. He like, looks down that. and there's like a large intestine hanging out and he has to push it back in yeah. and pour, <laughs> pour fluid on it. <laughs> I didn't even know my intestine was hanging out. Uh, <laughs> oh, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's a, uh, the, the explanation that we have so far in the game is not in any way a spoiler. It's that those green herbs, they fix anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just pour it in. Whatever the juice is, just pour it over your hands and you find <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, I took a, a page out of the Amini playbook and I took some notes on my nice. phone while I was playing. Oh, uh, positive okay. influence. So <laughs> when the game opens, this isn't a spoiler, Ethan and his wife have relocated to Romania, right? That's where they are supposed to be? I think what? they just say Europe. I made up Romania. Mm. They could what be. could go wrong? Yeah. but so and, and they have a daughter now. And so the first thing you have to do is put your daughter to bed. So you have to take her upstairs to the, and they have the crib in the master bedroom. Of this house that they're renting. Do you guys notice the master bedroom does not have a bathroom? What? <laughs> no. The bathroom's down the hall. You yeah, gotta have man. a bathroom in your owner's suite. Everybody That's what makes that. it the master. Okay. Exactly. Spoken exactly. like people who didn't grow up in New York. <laughs> Where these are luxuries. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, nice, it's a big house, but no bathroom. Yeah, in the, yeah um, it is weird for a big house. Master bedroom. Now, I want to talk about something, but do you guys think it's a spoiler? The 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 catalyzing event that happens right at the beginning. Do you think that's a spoiler, even though it happens in like the first few minutes? Why don't we tell the GameScoop listeners if they care about it, they can okay. skip exactly two minutes ahead. Okay, skip two minutes ahead. This happens in the first minutes of the game, so I don't think it's that huge a spoiler. But, here we go. Ethan's wife is brutally gunned down right away. Mm-hmm. He has very little reaction to it. I think well, he, because there's I, green herbs in this world. <laughs> I think he calls her name once, and then that's it. That's it. Never to mention her again, at least as far as I've experienced. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose so. Seven was very prominently focused on her, um, and then eight now effectively. Like, there's there are moments where references come back, but obviously, you know, given that your family has expanded, your priorities have changed as as this new version of Ethan. So, I guess that's mm-hmm. kind of the explanation because he does go like you know looking for mm-hmm. for solutions in the club I'm, I'm navigating spoilers here but like yeah. he is yeah. he is like looking for some sort of resolution so he cares in sure. the sense that it's the driving factor to him going about this mess of going into vampire houses and doll houses and whatnot <laughs> so i suppose that's where the reaction is coming from ultimately yeah or that's what his reaction is Games definitely have to strike a balance between, like, it's the inciting incident, right? And so then they got to get on with it. Like, the game has to start. You can't have him gnashing his teeth and wailing for, you know, (laughs) weeks and months and months. As as any, like, normal person would be in real life, right? But it's like, we just got to go. The game's got to start. That's true. Maybe Uh, Maybe some of that happened off screen. 
Yeah, exactly. Three years later, you're like that's that's what they needed. That one mm. black slide with the white mm. text over it. Although there have been games, I can't remember exactly which ones right now, but there have been games that have explored the pacing of that in a little bit of a different way, where you get a chance to do some side quests while you have moments. Like actually, Cyberpunk is a bit of an example because you have a friend that dies in that game and there are mm-hmm. moments where you go on side quests that connect back to that friend and, and deepen yeah. that connection that you have and then you know visit with his friends and his family and then you kind of there are there are beats in across the game where he keeps coming back as as relevant so i, I think that. that kind of accomplishes um you know f- making sure that the feelings feel real you know god of war is about mourning right it's about that's like, true why Kratos is, is super upset uh, at losing his wife and how he kind of takes it out on his kid. And it kind of works through a mourning process like that. And then Last of Us does the opposite. There's almost like a Last of Us Part 2. There's almost like a celebratory segment where it's like, oh, at least, you know, we got through that all. We can just like live out our lives. And <laughs> that's a false ending, you know, one sure. of many. Sure. I think um, I, by the way, I know we're not talking about God of War, but I have to say real quick, my favorite thing about that game is that the entire quest is just optional any time like it's not like he gets pulled into this like world saving thing anytime oh, yeah. he wants to mm. leave and walk away be like no i'm not climbing this mountain he can do mm. that like yeah it's it was... it's very different than other games in that way it's like he's choosing to go on this journey yeah. that's true yeah he's not saving the world nope um a document you find early on which explains why um these soldiers showed up at your house uh, has their mission objectives that's eliminate target recover body move the two winterses to site c for further investigation and i i think if your last name sounds like it's plural already it doesn't need to be winterses whereas i i could see moving the davises but the winterses sounded really strange to me there's there's a grammatical it's if the letter that precedes the s is a vowel or not if it's a consonant or if it's really? a vowel, one of them is S apostrophe S, and then otherwise it's just S apostrophe. You could still well, read that. Oh, I don't even know. Well, Go it's ahead. not. It's also not a possessive because you're not saying like move the Winters' clothing into their new apartment. Like, so there's a bit of a difference there. But I see the mm-hmm. the description of like you know the win the Winters family, which yeah, is just a solution I just there. Just move the, the Winters. Again. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the. Uh, that's a really good editor's trick that Tina just pointed out. Yeah. That you know, if you if 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 it sounds awkward, then just write a different way. <laughs> just, change <it. laughs> just change it. There's always a different way to write it. Just add a word. Add a word. Buffer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, if you're writing a, an essay for school, then that added word's going to get yeah. you one word closer to that. There you go. To your required uh, word mm-hmm. count. Yeah. yeah. This is, this Fix is those why margins. I'm, I never write <laughs> affect or effect. I just mm. don't write them. <laughs> I know, I know the rule, but I'm still not sure, and so I just cha- I just change it to impact every time. Oh, yeah, good. you got to have like little learning tricks for those. Um, I, I, I have I have a dumb one. It works for my brain, so it helps me remember like which is the A and which is the E, and then it becomes reflective. Yeah, or you could just go with impact. Yep. I didn't realize that impact could work as both the as both the noun and verb versions of those two words. Right? It's, yeah. I'm only, impact I'm only something measured. and I'm measuring like, the impact. I, this, is, this is only like half a joke, by the way. Like, If you look <laughs> at my writing, I probably use the word impact a lot. It's, it's impacts all the way down. <laughs> Welcome to word scoop. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so soon enough, you end up in the village, the titular village, and there were, right. were werewolves. But apparently, apparently, just a few days before, the werewolves weren't a problem. Right? Oh. Mm-hmm. So there's just this village in, I think, well, Romania. Isn't that unclear? Aren't they like 
we've been protected from these, and that's why they're not. Oh, is, it, is that that's, what it is? That's I, what, yeah, like we, you meet some you meet some like human villagers, yeah. and like oh, but Mother Miranda's always protected us. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which is what I want to point out. This this village they have their own religion here in this part of the world, and they have electricity, but they're living uh, in a, a very like old world way. They don't seem to have internet, and they have their own religion. And everyone has an American accent and speaks English. <laughs> the American accent is really concerning to me. The rest of that is just standard, you know, movie cult stuff. I guess so. Yeah. Um, do you guys like the Duke? What's I the mean, Duke? No, He's the merchant. To like any of them. Oh, He's the merchant. Oh, the merchant. <laughs> yeah, I think they're all supposed to be contemptible, first of all. <laughs> yeah, they're all enemies. <laughs> Not the Duke. I, I'm- well, well I'm totally that, yeah. anticipating. Uh, yeah, I'm calling it that he's okay. uh, he's going to be like a surprise boss, mini boss at some point. I mean, he's <laughs> cartoonishly villain like. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's horrible. It's like he such has, a good gross character. He has a good reference to Resident Evil 4. Have you guys gotten that? Yes, I've gotten him to say that once where yeah. he says, what are you buying? Or something he goes, like what are you buying? <laughs> That's just something an old friend of mine used to say. <laughs> What? But then that has lore implications. I know. Like, He's <laughs> friends with the merchant from Resident Evil 4. But Resident Evil 4 takes place in nondescript Europe. Yeah. But Perfect. Wasn't the, wasn't the merchant Resident Evil 4 supernatural? <laughs> wasn't he like... Well, well this yeah, guy seems this pretty guy supernatural kind of is too. too because it, <laughs> okay, they'd be okay. like, how are you here? That's yeah. just like a, an ongoing joke. Um, yeah. Also, the, the, we know it's a different country or there's been a regime change because in Resident Evil 4... The uh, uh, the gold you get is called pesetas. It's like a specific named yeah. um, currency. And in this game, it's just called something else. I think it's called Lei. L-E-I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This scene actually uh, that we're seeing right here, I thought was actually pretty scary. This is the werewolves in the fallow plot. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. yeah the fallow plot, like the graveyard. That was one of the scarier moments that I've encountered so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought the uh, dungeon full of blood was pretty bad. That's, all, that's also pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, although you would think well, after you emerge, you'd leave bloody footprints behind you. But Did you, you check? I checked. Yeah, I checked. You don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, don't worry. Other things leave bloody footprints yeah. later. Ooh. Great. I hope they're not mm-hmm. dolls. Uh <laughs> This Justin. is why every time I'm like, oh, maybe I do want to oh, play this. Then you're talking about it, and I'm like, nope. I'm good. <laughs> do you, does anyone leave bloody footprints in Pokemon Snap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen everything yet, so I can't say definitively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't answer that for twenty questions. Unlikely. You Damon say <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can neither confirm nor deny. No, Justin, are you playing uh Pokemon Snap as like a, a family affair? Well, yeah, so I don't have any affinity, you know, I miss the Pokemon games. I keep saying I've never played a Pokemon game, but over the years it's like okay, I played Pokemon Go, I played Pokemon Snap. Like they're building up over time. But anyway, yes, I bought it because I thought my daughters might like it. But then I personally got sucked into it, um, mainly because it's like the world. Nintendo's gotten so good at making chill out games mm-hmm. like Animal Crossing last year and Pokemon this year. We're like, you're on a little tram and then it's on a pre-made track and then you can look all around and take pictures of these Pokemon. But like mm-hmm. that makes it such a perfect gameplay loop because it's like four minutes long and then you can just do it again yeah. and do it again. And so it lasts just the perfect length of time to be like, I think I'll do one more until, you know, my entire Switch's battery is run down. Um, I don't have any, they make a huge deal out of some of these Pokemon. Like, I can't believe it's, you know, so-and-so. And And I'm like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) This doesn't mean anything to me at all. Um, 
So I don't care about that part of it. Um, but Nintendo threads that needle and walks that line of like my six year old likes it. And, you know, her 36-year-old dad likes it. So um, I don't think the game's, like, some amazing thing. Like, I'm not going to get all misty-eyed at seeing my favorite Pokemon that I've been, you know, friends with since I was a kid. Like, um, you know, like some other people are. They have that connection to that franchise. But um, I think it's fun. And I, I, every time I played it, I ended up being hooked. And, um, uh, yeah, I ran down my whole Switch's battery two or three times till I beat the game. So you also, yeah. you also get hooked in Resident Evil Village. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> you need a little drum set for you, Damon. <laughs> is, is there? A, um, I'll add it in post. Is there, there like go. a like a? Is there like a haunted area? Is that like? Is there like a haunted house you get ghost Pokemon in? There are no ghost Pokemon, but this game. There um, are no there, ghost Pokemon. There may be some ghost types, but no. no there, you go through different biomes. So you go through like a jungle, and then a desert, and then you, you know, yeah, and ghost, underwater. ghost biome, ghost house. Yeah, no ghost, no ghost house. Wow. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe <laughs> that is a little bit of a missed opportunity. Well, you. This should... is like when we combine Doom and Animal Crossing for having the same date, <laughs> yeah. release date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I didn't realize. Maybe everyone else totally got this, but like you know, stupid me never made the connection until I saw my daughter playing that. These are these are light gun games. Mm-hmm. It's a non-violent light gun game. You're playing Time Crisis or Resident Evil, where like shit's popping out at you. Like <laughs> a Pokemon pops out from behind a tree, and you have like a second to take his picture before he's gone. And I and then I have this like light bulb moment where I'm like, this is exactly the same as Area 51, mm-hmm. but you're just taking their picture instead of shooting them in the head. It's yeah, also like, just like Resident Evil 8 because it's a jump scare. <laughs> That's so what that is. It's a yeah. jump scare. It is. So, and, <laughs> so and it's maybe that's why they took the haunted house out. It's non-lethal enforcers. Yeah, it's that's really good, Dave. Non-lethal <laughs> enforcers. Well done. Yeah, and so then you know my six-year-old has learned to like zoom. Like it, it's it's crazy. Like it's the same as aiming down the sights in a gun mm. with holding down the left trigger, but you're you're zooming in on a camera. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Um, but yeah, it totally you're, works. You're Can scoping you catch- out your shots before you kill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you catch labeling your targets? Have you had a Pikachu? Yeah, got a Pikachu. So it's basically a mouse of the dead. <laughs> Pokemon Snap colon secretly a horror game is the next headline for Game Scoop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still I'm still thinking about non lethal enforcers. It's really good. <laughs> We're doing good work today. Yeah. Well, you can um, yeah you could do Scoop's take on the biggest horror game of the year, yeah. Pokemon Snap. <laughs> uh, I'm also happy to report that I did beat the first boss in Returnal. So oh I'm in, wow! I'm in that's, that second biome. No small feat. So that's good. I'm I'm excited to hear what you think about the second boss because I think that's the one that everybody has this really cool build up, or maybe it's the third one. But you'll you'll know when you get there. There's mm-hmm. one that's a really really cool build up and cool audio moment that like I, I want to get your take on. Is that the one where there's like a big like uh, uh, plot twist? I guess I've heard about that. So at the end of Act One, is apparently something mm-hmm. happens. Hmm. Not sure on that part, but there's the gameplay ties into the music and the sound in a way that, hmm. like, I think you will appreciate, Damon. Cool. Um, yeah, I like that game a, a lot, but I've sort of gotten distracted by Resident Evil Village. Although, I've been having problems with my PS5. I've been having the problem where I put it into rest mode and it will crash while it's in rest mode. Oh, so I come, man. I, so I come back to it and it's off. And when I boot it on, it has to like rebuild its database, and then it chastises me for not powering it down correctly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not fair. 
So that's super because of you, we're going to have to send a report yeah. to Sony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I, I wonder that's that's really crappy because I'm playing on a yeah. PS5 and I've had it paused for a week. Oh, you just yeah. have to turn it off. Yeah, because the PlayStation handles that. It yep. does the thing. I've, um, I've, I've had uh, Resident Evil because obviously Resident Evil being a game where you actually have to seek out save points and whatnot. So occasionally I'll pause somewhere, especially because um, I'm playing with a friend, quote unquote, which just means uh, we're on FaceTime and she watches me live stream on Twitch at the same time, which is great because there's a nine second delay. So I'll freak out and she's just like trying to have a conversation. And then nine <laughs> seconds later, when I'm calmly going through some puzzles, she's freaking out. So it's, it's a pretty good cadence we've got going on. Nice. But because I'm on her timetable and my timetable, I occasionally have to pause just in the middle of a really random, creepy spot. Um, so boy, would I be upset if, uh, fortunately I'm playing on Xbox Series X, but it hasn't happened to me yet. Hmm. So hopefully that doesn't. I've had the PlayStation thing happen to me before, so I don't want to discount that. Uh, but I, the Xbox has been really stable for me for that. Like just turn off the system with the game paused and it starts, you know, immediately right away. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and I forgot to mention Capcom says they've already shipped 3 million copies of Resident Evil Village. And Capcom is unique among developers, and they are completely transparent in uh, their game sales. You can find it on their website. You can find a list of the best, their best-selling games of all time. So assuming they sell those through those 3 million units, that puts it right equal with Devil May Cry 4. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of units sold, and just above the PS3 version of the Resident Evil remake. Interesting. At across all number classes. 22 in their best-selling games of all time. Still have a ways to go to make uh, the 17 million copies that Monster Hunter World has sold. Ooh, man. Yeah. Didn't I, didn't I read somewhere that Capcom had their best financial quarter a year ever in the company's history or something like that, mainly thanks to the strength of Mon- Monster Hunter? That sounds right. I think we also heard that about Nintendo recently, too. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I think it was Capcom. Anyway, I mean, well done to them for, like, yeah. turning things around and not going the way that uh, many other sort of mid-tier Japanese developers did. Where does 7 end up on this list? I don't see it, actually. Hmm. Maybe they have I don't think they update that website very often, actually. No, I'm sorry. It's their second best-selling game of all time. <laughs> oh! <laughs> right on... <laughs> Not right under. So Monster Hunter World, 17 million. Resident Evil 7, 8.5 million. It's like that's the valley between those two games. Man, Resident Evil, I mean, all in all, that is more successful than I expected it to be and that I now would have expected it to be. It's interesting. Well, I mean, think about, so it's like Capcom is one of the biggest, most well-respected, longest-running video game developers of all time. Their second (laughs) best-selling game is 8 million units, you said, Damon? 8.5 million, yeah. Like, Nintendo trips over themselves and sells 10 million <laughs> copies of Ring Fit. Like, yeah. Not that they don't deserve that success, but I just it just really shows how, on a different level, the Nintendo is and the Switch is, where yeah. they have multiple, multiple 10 million selling games on that platform alone. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S., That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. 
And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's check back in with the listeners, a specific listener, Adam from Houston, Texas. And to remind everyone, he said, today I thought it'd be fun to make a list of video games that were monumentally improved for their sequels and also games that took a noticeable step back. The first list was quite easy, as many sequels are significantly better than their predecessors, such as Sonic the Hedgehog, Portal, Mass Effect, Uncharted, Half-Life, Halo, Assassin's Creed, Street Fighter, Mega Man, many others. I found it difficult to think of sequels that were noticeably worse than the first installments, but came up with Zelda, Star Fox, Devil May Cry, Star Wars, Force Unleashed. I did the same with movies and found the results to be the exact opposite, although there are certainly some examples of the sequel being markedly better, such as Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, Superman 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Terminator 2. I don't agree with Lethal Weapon 2, by the way. Why do you think that is uh, that most movie sequels are not as good? Why do you think that video games are so good at improving the second installment into a series, yet movies tend to swing and miss quite a bit? Hmm. Tina? I mean... Oh, thank you. Well, um, <laughs> the, the most obvious answer, I suppose, is the fact that iteration is a core philosophy to developers. And then not to mention the tools that you're using are inevitably advancing over the years as well. So you'll spend like several years in development on a first, on Mass Effect 1 and you get the, the Mako that you get. And then when you're working <laughs> on Mass Effect 2, you have improved tools or you have like a good amount of feedback from a release to kind of prioritize, okay, well, this is what worked really well in the first game, so let's double down on that. And then we have these new tools to polish this other stuff. We've brought on like the, the you know, these new hires to, to, to help work on um, vehicle transport in particular because that was a weak spot. Like you're able to evolve... Um, across like your staff, your priorities, and your tools, uh, when you've gotten a hit and there's some some like actual public feedback uh, mm-hmm. to operate off of. Yeah, and I think that the I don't you know I I can I'm not into accepting this premise uh, on its face by the way because I think there's you know good and bad sequels all over the place. But for movies and games, there can also be cash grabs, right? And that's when things like move quickly. They don't think about 
uh, you know, who made the game or what made it special, or they don't think about the, especially for movies, you know, what made it special. And maybe that movie is good because it has a self-contained story. And what happens when things have self-contained stories that wrap up really nicely? Hmm. It's hard to put a sequel on the end of them. And yeah. when they're, when they're shoehorned in, that's a problem, right? If there's not, if they're not set up to continue the story, then it, it generally runs the risk of being bad. And movies are all about stories, whereas games can be about a lot more than story. They can be yeah. fun for all different ways. I wanted to give an example of one of my favorite uh, just totally dropped balls for sequels. It is uh, the you know potentially greatest game of all time. Uh, I have two of them. Uh, Super Mario Brothers has Super Mario Brothers 2, which we call the Lost Levels here. Uh, terrible yeah. game. Just, just awful. You know, it, it, it was just and, a, a cash grab, quick, you know, variation, basically a DLC pack of new levels that were bad. And you're so, talking about the Japanese Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, exactly. And I like Super Mario Brothers 2 US. That's mm-hmm. a pretty fun game. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to comment on whether it iterates on the... the, the uh, there, was, there wasn't the intention of that game to iterate on Super Mario Brothers. Um, but then um, the uh, other one is Tetris. Because there was a Tetris 2 right after Tetris. Yeah, that's right. Nobody remembers it. They no. decided not to use the same blocks and everything's crazy. And, you know, it, it's just it's just really funny. So those are like two of the most <laughs> monumental, important games of a decade and their direct sequels were just completely like, let's get something out there and not think about it. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I, I think both of you touched on sort of where my head is at on this topic, which is that, um, you know, games, um, obviously movie technology improves too. You have, you know, new cameras and new special effects, mm-hmm. but it's not as reliant on tech and tech pipelines like game development is where, mm-hmm you know, you get to build on the engine that you built for the sequel and you don't have to spend years and years and years working on that game engine and working on that tools. Cause now you have them and now you just get to focus in on the experience that you're making for the player, which, you know, the film industry is not quite like that. Um, and like Sam touched on, you know, games are not just story sequels. They're also gameplay sequels and get to build on and iterate on, gameplay ideas and we couldn't do dual wielding in the last game or we couldn't do co-op in the last game and now they get to build on um the gameplay and not just the story they were telling like i think if you were probably to just look at stories in games like the hit and miss ratio probably does look pretty similar to the hit and miss ratio in um in film but once you take a game as a whole with the graphical advancements and the gameplay enhancements and um you know whatever they can add on the multiplayer and modes and functions like that's when game sequels start to look up more favorably, compare more favorably, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then in contrast, too, you'll have scenarios where there's a long-running franchise and they're capitalizing on all the things that have made the franchise the best that it has been, but you're kind of running out of new and innovative and creative mm-hmm. ideas. I think that comes with um, what Sam was saying earlier, too, like the success of something kind of necessitating the next sequel. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how many Saw yeah. movies we're at right now, but I, you know, it's just been diminishing returns from a, the first novel idea of a Saw movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just become this like cash grab of of shock and gore uh, appeal. So I think at a point of time that happens to video games too, where they've kind of run up against, okay, we've kind of done everything that we can in this franchise. Yep. And then Assassin's Creed will randomly surprise you with a Vikings chapter or something. Like they, they have to. Um, the business necessitates <laughs> sequels, and um, and maybe there's still gameplay ideas to mine there. Like the the example that's in my head is Halo. Like I love the Halo games. It's one of my favorite franchises of all time. The story has become nonsense because it's been stretched past its breaking point. Mm. And and 
and but I still like they're making new multiplayer maps and they're still innovating in the gameplay. Like you know, new weapons, new gameplay. They're going open world now. Like that's why I'm excited about that game. But they have to twist and break the lore because the game is required to have a story or premise of some kind. And um, I, I don't know. I, it's a little bit unfortunate. Like I wish it didn't all have to be equal levels of canon and like look these are all just separate adventures of master chief and they don't necessarily have to build on the you know 11 novels and seven games that have come before um assassin's creed is actually another good example of like it's exploring really really interesting gameplay and game design spaces but then it's forced each new one sort of gets plopped on top of all the ones that came before and the tower is getting very rickety now and just um uh I, i wish it didn't have to be that way yeah, it's kind of why Tales from the Borderlands was so successful because they didn't mm-hmm. feel they felt married to the vibe of Borderlands, but not married to the particular characters mm-hmm. necessarily. Like you can explore something that exists in its own ecosystem, but has the same feeling. So for movies, let's say the first movie, you know, is just a complete success out of the bat, and now people are trying to recapture that same spirit. That's so difficult <clears throat> if you're trying to emulate almost beat for beat what made yeah. the first movie so great. So it's about what the motivation, the intention, the creative process, and um, the goals are for for the sequel. It's fun to think of movies having a next gen era because some of the movies we were talking about, uh, Terminator Two, uh, Aliens, those came at the right on the cusp of CG. And people went to go see Terminator 2 because it had crazy cool CG in it, mm-hmm. you know, pooling metal and morphing faces and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like that, that was kind of a reason to go see that movie, even though it also is a good story and, and everything's lovely about that movie. But, um, you know, we haven't really had an era like that. I think they tried to push that with Avatar and 3D at the time. And, you know, like, I don't know if we're going to ever have like a leap in storytelling that that was that stark between like 90s tech and 80s tech. It's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, The movie Predator is a perfect film, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, perfect sci-fi action film that did such cool things with world building and creating this unique new alien character that lives by its own code and um, all that stuff. Predator 2 sucks because all they did is just take that same movie and put it in a city instead of the jungle and they go through yeah. all the same steps as the first one and it's just like it doesn't offer anything new it's but die hard too. yeah <laughs> but if predator and predator 2 had been video games i think all of that would be much more acceptable because of the, <laughs> the, the interactivity now you the player are in a totally different environment you you know what you've learned from the first game but now you have to operate in a in a city instead of a jungle so i just I, it must have something to do with the interactivity of video games and relying less on uh improving on a story which is what most movies would have to do to be to be better than their original mm-hmm but we can all agree that uh, to reduce your very good point to a, a very simple take, uh, that Crisis did not improve by being moved to the city. It was really cool to be in the jungle. It looked really good. That's true. Didn't look as good in the city. Uh, this is Brenton in QLD Aust- Australia. Queensland. Queensland, Australia. 
Quick, says, quick message, I've been listening to the show for nearly six years now. I've heard you guys mention roguelikes a lot, but I'm really not sure what some examples are, except Splunky, but I haven't played that. Are you able to even give up to 30 <laughs> seconds to define what characteristics make a roguelike for you and what aspects make you enjoy the genre so much? I have already played some without realizing I think it's challenging platformers like Cuphead, Celeste, and Guacamelee. No, Brenton. No. And QLD Australia. No. I originally learned what a Metroidvania is because of this show, and now I'm just wondering if there was an original NES game called Rogue that had a style or gameplay that has been copied. Yeah, so roguelikes. I was, I was smiling because we were just arguing about this in our top ten roguelike slash roguelike roguelite meeting. Um, it's one of those things where like, you think you know what a roguelike is and a Metroidvania is, but then if you start actually getting into the nitty-gritty it always gets paired back to like, well, you know, permadeath and randomized levels. And then it's mm-hmm. like, well, okay, but to truly be a rogue. So, so yes, to answer the question, there was a PC dungeon crawler called rogue that had yep. a top down viewpoint where it was different. Each time you played, you go down in the dungeon, it was all randomly generated. And I think in rogue, your character is even pretty randomly generated. And so then games that were copies of that were called roguelikes, just like uh, FPS games are called doom clones for a little while before first person shooter sort of replaced that term. Um, but now the word roguelike is kind of lost all meaning because so many game developers have taken some of those gameplay ideas and applied them to other genres. So there's mm-hmm. platforming roguelikes and shooting roguelikes like Returnal, but maybe they shouldn't be called roguelikes anymore just because they have random level generation and permadeath. Yeah, so it, all these modern games, Returnal, uh, Spelunky, Spelunky 2, Dead Cells, Rogue Into Legacy, yeah, Into the Gungeon, all this stuff. Hades. Which one? Hades. Hades mm-hmm. as well, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them would probably be considered what we call roguelites, but we end Correct. up just calling them roguelikes. Roguelite is the term for games that do carry some sort of permanence from run to run, and you, your, your character or whatever is improving some way, and you're not completely starting from scratch, although Splunky is still starting from scratch. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I, like, there's... there's two schools of like, you know, permanent character progression where like Mm -hmm. you're going to go, go, go die. And then something you get to take back with you when you start over or in like a really hardcore roguelike, the only thing you take back with you is your knowledge of like, Oh shit. Now I know that like this will kill me. Like now I know for next time, like how to get, like, it's just your skills are improving and the game doesn't necessarily have to change. Like, you know, and Splunky obviously comes from that school. Yeah. Um, NetHack is the best roguelike, by the way. Just throwing that out there. NetHack. Right about that. I haven't played that one. That's yeah. the one where you're the little at. That's the ASCII one. Oh, I thought Rogue was the ASCII one. They're both ASCII ones, I should <laughs> yeah. say. And Rogue is... actually still, there's some group where, I don't, I don't know why they get to have ownership of it or control of it, but there's some NetHack group that like protects and shepherds that game. And it's still being updated. Like They've been making new NetHack updates for like 30 years. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Every couple of years, a new version of NetHack comes out, and they're like, we added 35 more enemies. Yeah, the thing, the thing to take away from what Rogue did, which was interesting to people, is the random level generation. The, the other features of it are, are kind of in support of that, right? Like, if you're going to randomly generate levels, you might as well make that a replayable thing that's interesting. So Permadeath is kind of an extension of that. Um, but what I was going to say is that the, that tech to randomly generate levels w- was developed so early for that because it was ASCII, like it was just characters. It was, you know, yeah. at signs and, mm-hmm. and, and the letters and stuff to imitate, you know, um, 
uh, graphics. Uh, and, and you can you can think like that's easier to generate than something graphical. So then like then it went into 2D platforming graphical generation, which is was I remember being really impressed by. Like I, Spelunky was super impressive to me, and I remember it had an iteration before it was even pretty Spelunky. And then now Returnal is a you know a, a, a really graphically intensive 3D you know generated game like that 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 technical progression is cool because it takes AI, it takes a, a really complex system to make sure that you know basically the game is self QAing you know the levels that it makes and it's not going to permanently break and screw you. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah. We should probably name drop games like Diablo here, which are not, they do have randomly generated levels and they are dungeon crawlers, but they don't have permadeath. So, um, you know, there's, there's varying strands of gaming DNA that sort of spiraled off of, of, you know, games like Rogue and other roguelikes in interesting ways. And as for, you know, what aspects make me enjoy the genre so much, the best roguelikes are just, uh, you know, pure gameplay, pure game mechanics that are enjoyable to play over and over again, as opposed to a game where you play like Resident Evil Village, you play through the story, comes to its conclusion, you're done, move on to the next thing. A roguelike is a game in the classic sense of the word that you just play over and over again. Like if you like chess or Monopoly or golf or baseball or basketball, you don't oh, just yeah. play one of those games one time and move on. Like you I play beat them. basketball. Yeah. You yeah. play them over and over again. And each time you start from zero. That's how I think, think of sports already. I, play, <laughs> I played it once. Chess, chess <laughs> is a roguelike, I would say. Yeah. I probably For, beat baseball yeah. in like third grade. This is Jake Johnson in Columbus, Ohio. Says the Mass Effect trilogy were some of my favorite games ever, and I'm super hyped for the re-release the current on the current generation of consoles. My question is: Has any remaster, not remake, ever been as hyped up as Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Probably Remas- uh, remaster, Super Mario remake, Super Mario yeah. 3 All Stars. That's up there. I, I, That's wait, wait. through me. The, the idea here is that it, it's the most hyped remake of all time. Remaster. If it was remake, I would have been like, oh, tons, like Final Fantasy VII and yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadow of the Colossus and mm-hmm. all the Resident Evils. And Does Tony Hawk count? That's a remaster, right? Ooh, yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's good a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's a, a lot of remasters that have come and gone that I didn't maybe pay attention to, but I think there was a lot of hype about them and people like them. I mean, last of us had one right away, right? The yeah. master chief collection yeah. too. Although yeah, that yeah, did yeah, not, yeah. It, it flopped immediately, cool. but it had the hype of going in. Yeah, it was hugely hyped going in. God, I forgot what a debacle that was. And kudos yeah. to Microsoft and three, four, three for, you know, sticking it out. Um, yeah, we run into the same thing we've talked about on Scoop a lot of like drawing the line between a remaster and remake. But like you know, Crash and Spyro had huge hype behind oh, those, know, those ones, games yeah. coming back out and being revived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super Mario uh, All Stars is mm-hmm. um, is Mass Effect out tomorrow? Is it already here? Yeah. Tomorrow First of all, All Stars is definitely a remake. We keep oh, on good, mentioning it. Good, good point. Yeah, yeah, the original, not 3D All Stars. Yeah. Not 3D All-Stars. Yeah, 3D All-Stars, I'm sure, was much hyped and then also didn't live up to expectations. That seems to be a theme. A collected game, uh, you know, a collection of games that looks really nice when it comes out again that people don't like. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, it's out tomorrow, Damon, I believe, right? I guess so. 
It just snuck up on me. I, I'll, I'll finish it Resident is. Evil first. Yep. Uh, this is Lance from Tallahassee, and he's 35. I'm hearing some noise. Is anyone else hearing yeah. the noise? Yes. No. Do we know where that's coming from? Now yeah. it's gone. Yeah, it seems fine now, okay. but I don't know what it was. Lance is 35 from Tallahassee. Me and my boys, who are 8 and 5, listen to GameScoop every weekend while we're driving and doing our normal weekend activities. Just regular-ass weekend activities. <laughs> Sometimes they complain when I put it on because talking is boring. But oh. their eyes light up and their ears perk up anytime they hear certain keywords. Mario, Minecraft, Pokemon, or Fortnite, to name a few. I asked them if they'd want to ask you a question, and this is what they came up with. So Liam, age 8, asks, which do you prefer more in games, fiction or real? Do we and I do we assume do we mean like realistic settings or like fantasy sci-fi mm-hmm. settings? I think that's a good take. Settings what, like how we ask in twenty questions. <laughs> so, yeah, hmm. I think I'm more of a well fictional same. sci-fi or fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I specifically seek out those experiences. I've talked before on the show how, that I don't like playing games that are about like being in the army. Hmm. Like, I just don't, I don't like games about that. It just doesn't appeal to me in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely but space gravitate. armies. Yeah. Space army. All in. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I'm, I think I'm like 50, 50. Cause all I've been playing lately is Yakuza games, which are set in you know, they're fictional cities in Japan, but yeah. based off of real settings, um, yeah. you know, but then obviously I've played many, many sci-fi and fantasy games as well. Um, which, you know, that's also the genre of books that I read is a lot of sci-fi and fantasy as well. So I um, guess I'm just a big old nerd that way. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then Emmett, age five, asks us, what is it like to test a video game? I don't, <laughs> it's probably not accurate to say that we test video games. We do yeah, sometimes, there's like, yeah. There's like three defini- definitions of that. It'd be, you know, a preview of a game is kind mm-hmm. of like testing it because it's an, an unreleased version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously like the actual definition for testing would be QA for quality assurance. So that's when you're actually doing the testing. And everything I hear about it is not nearly as fun as it sounds oh, yeah. on the surface mm-hmm. um, because it's a lot of playing the same 30 seconds of a level over and over and over again mm. to make sure that bug is gone or you mm. found all elements of that bug. Like it's, it's really about bug research more than it is about um, playing a game for fun uh, mm. and I, writing notes down about that game. Um, I, and then I suppose like, you know, we touched on this, I think on another scoop, but like consultancy would be another version of testing a game, so to mm-hmm. speak. I assumed that the question was about reviewing games is how I took it. And that's the <laughs> same way I explained it to my daughter was like, yeah, we sometimes get to play video games early and then we get to tell people whether we liked it or not and whether it's good oh, because okay. video hmm. games are kind of expensive. And so it's people's jobs to let people mm-hmm. know if they think that other people should buy that game or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a, it's a lot of fun and I can't imagine doing anything else to answer <laughs> the original question. It's yeah, definitely, I, there's definitely like uh, a, a, an excitement that comes with getting to play a game that isn't out yet, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was like a huge motivator for me to get into this business was going to E3 and getting to play games early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's still super fun, although it's after 15 years, maybe it doesn't feel quite as special anymore. But um, I don't know. It's nice. I feel very lucky that like my main hobby I get to make a living at. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, 
Yeah, I used to love previewing games because it felt like you you were like part of this special group and you got access to see this thing and experience this thing before anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a while, I realized that I would play a preview of the game and then yeah. it would just end up being me playing that same two, three hours over again when <laughs> the game right. came out. Yeah. So yeah, it ended up being like, well, wait for the full thing to come out. I don't <laughs> mind playing yeah, it early. There's definitely mm-hmm. like playing it at a show and then playing a preview build and then the retail yep. build comes out and trying to blast through it again. Like yep. it, it's not as glamorous. Like many things in life probably where like that seemed glamorous on the outside it's actually just kind of can be a little bit of drudgery sometimes you know, sure but that reminds also, me good well i just want to point out i also do kind of like though if a, if i've if i've previewed a game or played a game early when i finally get the the final version you do kind of feel like an expert in it at least in those first couple hours you're like i know exactly what i'm doing here. yeah <laughs> um that reminded me of a cool thing about uh resident evil uh, that the demo that I played, I, I only played one of the two demos called Maiden, is a spin-off game that takes place in the mansion and you're like escaping from the dungeon as a different character. It's super cool. And you replay through that whole part of the game later mm-hmm. when, you, uh, when you're playing, um, uh, you know, just like the castle part of it, right? And you kind of play it backwards. And I thought that was a really cool way to pre- you know, play to do a spin on that. I, I wish previews were customized like that for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, and then I wanted to add one thing is that my take on reviewing a game or previewing a game is a little different. It's exciting, but it's also not all fun. It means that I'm taking lots of notes. It means I'm really thinking about it and it means like I'm preparing to write about it. And, and that's, you know, um, we're, I'm past, uh, I don't do that all the time with every game I preview now, because I want to play more and, and understand them and, and have different contexts for them. But like a big part of like playing a game early usually is like an assignment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so sure. it can be, it can be a lot of work. It can be very, very stressful. I didn't review very many like big AAA games. Cause I, when I was hired at IGN, I did mobile games, but like the few that I did do um, it's, it's very stressful and it's a very tight deadline too. Um, come, and if a come. game is repetitive, and is intended to be played over a period of weeks or months, but you have to crush that into a weekend. You kind of have to cast yourself into the headspace of like, I'm sick of this game, but that's mm-hmm. only because I've had to sit here and play it, you know, for, for three or four or five days straight. Like, how would I feel if I was playing it for just a couple hours in the evening? Like, maybe it would still feel incredible. What about taking notes at a convention? That's always stressful when you're like, God. have your notepad or your iPad or whatever, and you're like playing a game. You're like, right, 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 playing a game, right, right, right. Like I, oh. I did that all the time, and it was tough to do. Oh, it's the worst. Or you're asking, you know, you're on the show floor and it's loud, and it's someone with a thick French accent telling you about <laughs> their game, and you're like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. It's actually kind of my favorite thing, just because I'm like a notes, the notes queen. Yeah. So hmm. I can, I'm I, like, I'll do an interview and while I'm interviewing somebody, I'll be writing notes for like follow-up questions or notes about, Ooh, I'll write this headline mm-hmm. and th- th- do this breakout story later. And, you know, crazy amount of multitasking. It's um, high energy for sure, but there's an excitement to it, like a, a feeling of productiveness. And then you run over to like the, the press room or for us, yeah. like, our war room and you quickly scramble and do that story. You hit the next appointment. Like the, the high energy can be fun for sure. Yeah. And those are good Absolutely. journalist moments, right? You feel like, mm-hmm. a, like, a, like a, a, a reporter in a movie. You know, it's like yeah. you're actually rushing to get a story up. I love that feeling. One it, of the closest things we get to field reporting. Yeah, it's true. exactly. Yeah. Actually, the closest I got to field reporting was, you guys remember the Destiny Loot Cave? 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I went like on site to confirm like, yes, the loot cave behaves this way. And yes, people are coming and camping out with you. And these are the behaviors. So that was my <laughs> moment of field reporting in, in the game journalism. Yeah, you were in the field. You were on, yeah. what is it? The, the Cosmodrome? Yeah, is that where it was? I can picture it. I forget. Um, that was a fun day. Damon, mm-hmm. do you remember when, I don't remember, I think it was like in my filing cabinet. Anyway, we found an old, old notebook of yours from like, mm-hmm. from E3s. And like, you have these, cause like, you know, you're writing in shorthand, you're writing for yourself. So you have these insane notes that make no I sense. And I have them around here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We were reading off. We played a little game. Maybe we did it on the show where we I think were we reading have off it, yeah. your notes. <laughs> Trying to guess what game it was for. Guess yeah. what game it was. Yeah. I have some of those around here somewhere and I, I sometimes I think about bringing them out. Oh, do that. We'll do that again sometime soon. Notebooks are insane. And that brings us to video game twenty questions. Woo. Our suggestion this week comes from John from Baltimore. Let the questioning begin. We don't have his age. No, you don't. Mm. But, but is it John spelled without an H? Okay. No, that changes everything. Yeah. Um, is this a horror game? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Pokemon Snap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that was a hesitancy, yeah. So we got to dig in on that deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. Does, this ga- does this game have monsters in it? Yes. Cool. <laughs> uh, was this game made in Japan? Yes. Mm. It's it's probably what's that one Damon loves? Monster uh, Party, Splatterhouse. Splatter house. Is it incredibly gory? No. It's not is it, no, it's not that. Yeah. Is, is it uh, from before 1990? No. That's five. Um, is it... I'm going to ask this question very specifically. Is it a sequel? Um, like Because normally I say, is it part of a franchise? Mm-hmm. I would count... If I ask, it's, is it a sequel, it just means it's not the first game. It could be the second. Kinda, it's kind of a sequel. It's so, as the spinoff? That's what I was thinking. Are you asking that, Justin? Well... Like, officially? No. I think it's implied. I'm, assu- I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's a spinoff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, spinoff horror from Japan. Is it one of those? Ooh, weird... is it? P- I wonder if it's PT. Oh, that's super yeah, good. Was, is, does the game still exist? <laughs> what is? Wait, what? What? No. <laughs> it's but... too limiting of a question, I guess. Yeah, can, maybe can you play this game? Or, um... Did, um, no, no, I mean, what, it was a demo. Because I, mean... I want to. Because if it's not that, I don't want to burn a question. Like well, it should be wait. useful for. Yeah. But Damon, Damon waffled on. Is it a horror game? And PT oh, is very much a horror game. But but yeah. maybe he's waffling on the game part. Uh, yeah, because it's a demo. Well, it's true. I, I, what I'm picturing are like the action spinoffs of like. Right, Resident right, Evil. right. Yeah. yeah. So like Lost Planet or something. Yeah. Should well, we go with, is there an ice level? We, we haven't done um, is there an ice level in a really long time. Yeah. yeah. I love that question. Or a winter or whatever. Uh. I kind of need to get era still, though. Go yeah. for it. I'm a little worried about that. So is this from before mm-hmm. 2000? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 90s game. So there are games that are set. Oh, is this based on a license? No. 
Okay. Wait, when is the era? Because didn't you say it's not before 1990? Yeah, it's, so it's, it is before 2000. Yeah, so a okay. 90s game. Uh, did Legacy this game, of Cain or something? Yeah, something like that. Did this game originally come out on a 16-bit console? No. Does it have 3D graphics? No, that's 10. Could be Castlevania oh. Symphony of the Night. Cool. Should we specify the monsters? That matches. Castlevania matches everything we've said so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are, are there vampires? Are there vampires? Yes. <laughs> Alucard's only half vampire, right? <laughs> yeah, but, there's other, but Dracula's in the game. Okay, good point. I was going to say, well, like, you're, you're right, but it's like, I don't think you're actually fighting vampires that much in that game. I think it's just the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you, wait, did he say yes? I was yeah. too busy mm-hmm. goofing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is this game made by Konami? Yes. Is this game... Okay, so, is this it, game... Have, have, there's other Castlevanias. Wait, hold on. Have we mentioned the specific title of this game yet? No. Oh, oh <laughs> man. That was a good catch. So it could be so Castlevania 3 or Bloodstained or... Well, but it didn't come out on a 16-bit console, and it came out in the 90s. Yeah, and it's so, made and it's made by Konami and it has vampires. GBA, yeah. So it could be one of the GBA Castlevanias. Circle of or, the Moon, Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, and there's a third one, or Order of Ecclesia. Or is that on the DS? That would be no, after. Dawn, uh, yeah, it's it's Circle of the Moon. None of those would have come out in the nineties. What? There's a third oh. one, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. None of those are nineties games. So wait, it could be Kid Dracula on like the Game Boy. No, 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 no. Aria of Sorrow and the uh, and circle of the moon are is this a game um, boy advanced game i don't think no the, the gba didn't come out until when did it's the gba the, come out 99 i think it's late i was gonna say i think most of those castlevanias are like 2000s games um do we want to specify do we want to ask if it's of the franchise Castlevania yeah franchise? please yes. please reminder yeah. that it's probably a spin-off but is it's this ki- a, in the what i oh, go ahead sorry Okay, I just wasn't sure. I don't want to burn a question, guys. No, no, no. Um, is this in the Castlevania franchise? Um, it's Kid Dracula. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. I think maybe technically yes. All right, that's fifteen. Is this a chibi game? Yes. All right, is it Kid Dracula? Yes. Nice. Kid Dracula. That's awesome. Game Boy. <laughs> I love We're that opening at, screen. Look at this look at is the color. This is the Famicom version, and but. I was thinking of the, the, the Game, Game Boy. Boy version, which was kind of a remake and a sequel. But it was I called something it... else, right? No, it was called Kid Dracula. It was? Okay. Hmm? Hmm? I only ever knew... I mean, maybe we talked about this on Scoop. I only ever knew it as a Game Boy game. Yeah. I'm, my mind's the, blown that yeah. there's a that's, so, version. Justin, that's well, in the, new, yeah. ca- the newer Castlevania collection that I reviewed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. It's like a super cutesy uh, Castlevania game. But the best thing is that they take the minor scale music that sounds like scary dracula tones yeah and they switch it to a major scale and make it sound like this fun circus music and it's the yeah. same it's the same melodies it's I so clever talking about this now that's really mm-hmm. great kid dracula wow that kid was almost dracula. a hard mode one i can't that, I'm yeah impressed. i knew that was i thought that would be a little obscure but uh justin I mean, had, we that. had uh 
Yeah, we had five questions left, so we did yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah. I don't think we've okay. ever done. Have we mentioned the specific title of this game before? <laughs> I, and I wanted like, to, yeah, I wanted to get that in before we mentioned a couple others. Like, well, it could be this and it could be that, and then yeah. confuse us. So yeah, I was yeah. Like, I don't know, this one. We got to throw them all out. It was so smart. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Tina, Tina was the MVP by getting horror on question one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then horror question one helped too. It worked out well. I, I, yeah, I sensed like a level of from Damon of like, what? Why are we there already? <laughs> well, I think you were getting better. You're playing the meta. You're playing the meta yeah, game. Yeah, I am. You know, you know. <laughs> the Game Boy Advance was released in 2001. That's what oh, I thought, because okay. oh, I, I always yeah. associate it with, um, uh, like, the, the the thing that sticks in my brain is Metroid Prime and mm-hmm. Metroid Fusion coming out on the same day. And that would have been, like, like, really early in the Game mm-hmm. Boy life cycle, right? 2002 or maybe three. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that confuses me is I remember my sister getting one, and mm-hmm. I... And she, you know, she's a, she's a lot younger than me, and um, I was like, I, I just remember living in the house with her playing it, but I had moved out by two thousand one. Oh, <laughs> hey, back yeah. home doing laundry. Yeah, it, that's exactly what was happening. One thousand percent. If you're anything like me, you were in college and poor, and you were sneaking in. I was stealing food from my parents. I was like, I, I'm going to take this can of beans and rice from their. Oh yeah, the, the laundry thing was real. <laughs> Um, thank you for reminding me. I've been tasked with doing laundry today, so I do need to Ooh. do that. But that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Uh, thank, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. John from Baltimore, do not at Sam. Thank you to Sam, Tina, and Justin. Thank you to Mariah working behind the scenes, making this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out. School's out. For Down the teachers.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.